You're a part of a very special Sunday, an historic Sunday for Bethany Christian Church, for this is the service that we're broadcasting over to our, our brand new campus in Vincennes. Why don't we welcome them in and give them a great round of applause. We are so excited to have you. Vincennes, we're looking for some amazing things to happen, and God to do some amazing things through that church there, and, and continue to do amazing things through Bethany, who meets here. Hey, some of you came today because it's the, the celebration that you've been looking forward to. It's who you are as a Christ follower. You say, this is a day that I get just to celebrate the power of God at work within me. Others of you are here today because uh, it's just a traditional thing to do. You don't come to a place like this very often, but you feel like if you don't, you, you just don't feel right about it. And then there's just some of you who are forced to be here. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I had a drug problem. <clears throat> My parents drug me to church every single Sunday. I guess it worked out okay, you know, but some of you are like that, and it was like a threat that was hanging over your head, like, you come to church or else you're going to be banished to the kids' table at Easter dinner today. Let me just tell you who Bethany Christian Church is. You're a part of a good place, and you're not here by accident. May I remind you, this is a place that is filled with worshipers and a place that's filled with doubters. Bethany Christian Church is a, is, a, is a place where we desire to be a spiritual hospital towards those in our region. We're just not trying to be the best church in town. Friends, no, we got a different mentality. We're trying to be the best church for our towns, and there's a difference. And then you're going to find people in the, in the pews there with you today that um, are committed Christians. You're going to find some people that are casual in their faith. You're going to find some people that you're sitting next to that are very callous about what Christ is doing. You're going to find some people that are, are critics of Jesus. But you know, you're not here by accident. God has a message for you. He has brought some things together where, where it's going to work out so that what he is saying to you today is going to mean something to you tomorrow. And I know that you're not here by accident, and this is the perfect place for you. And may I just tell you about Bethany? May I tell you about this place? That this is a place where I know that people are able to set aside their differences and let Jesus Christ reign within them. You know I know that? Because sitting in these chairs today are IU fans. Any IU fans in the house? All right. So Purdue fans, any Purdue fans? Sycamore fans? A smattering of applause for Sycamore fans. How about Kentucky University fans? Yep, you had the nerve, right? And that's how I know, that's how I know that Jesus Christ is supreme here, and we set aside our differences. There's Cardinal fans here, there's, there's Reds fans here, and there's Cubs fans in the audience here today. More Cubs fans in the last three years since they won the series. They recognize there is a God, and we're going to come and praise Him. But I want you to know that you're here for a reason, and, and this is just a, a time set aside that God has prepared you to be here. And so I want you to take in the next, next moments that we have together as we hear about the life-changing message of Jesus. You know, it's, it's it's next month that I get to celebrate uh, being the senior pastor for 20 years here. And I'm excited about that. I'm so thankful you put up with me. Because when I first came from Southern California to Southern Indiana, it was a culture shock for me. There's a whole lot of arrogance that was in me. And I thought because you weren't doing it my way, you were doing it the wrong way, right? And I had to, I had to learn the hard way. That God had to change me so I could minister best to you. And what I discovered about all of you is that you were very patient. You're very gracious. And friends, I found some of the most authentic and humble and loving people right here in this congregation. I've never met people in all the world like I've met here at Bethany Christian Church. And there is no other place that I'd rather be today than right here celebrating the resurrection of our Christ with all of you. And some of you here today, you don't get it. 
Like, you don't understand what the celebration's all about. You don't know why there's a preacher up here smiling ear to ear because, because of the resurrection that's taking place. But I want to tell you that this church believes in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday. And we believe in that because there's so much power that awaits for us when we believe in that. When we recognize that there is a Sunday, our hope can be changed from doubts and fears, can be all changed to something new, that there's, a, there's something more for us and something better. And we can now live a new creation in Jesus Christ. Isn't that what the scriptures tell us? Look at Romans 8, chapter 11. It tells us the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit lives in you all. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. And that tells us that the Spirit that rose Christ from the dead can be had, and you can welcome that Spirit into your life so that the resurrection can happen in your world. You see, there's some dead areas about my life and probably some dead areas about your life as well. There's some hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we've got to get through, but we can't do it under our home, our own human effort. We're going, to need, we're going to need God to work through some of these things. And that power that raised Christ from the dead is available for you today. And friends, the Easter story is not a story about just more information so you can know more about God. The Easter story is a story of transformation so that you can experience the power of God. And I can explain it away all day long here to you, but you're never going to really understand it or recognize the actual power that God has waiting for you until you welcome Christ into your life and you embrace that power and you see how he can change the old into new. Because that's what Christ's resurrection provides for us. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says? Sure it does. If anyone, it says. If anyone, that's you, that's me, is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. But listen, to have your sins forgiven, to have the label that defines you changed, you got to welcome in that Savior that rose from the dead, Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to do just for a moment. I want to take that scripture that's in front of us in 2 Corinthians 5, and, and I want to replace the anyone, and I want to go to a blank there, and here's how I want to read it. I want us to all read it out loud, and I want, to put you, I want you to put your name in there as we read it out loud. I know it's going to sound like gobbledygook. But it's going to make sense to God, and it's going to make some personal sense to us, too. Let's read it together aloud. Put your name in the blank, shall you? If Matt is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Guys, you know God's standing, and you know you're standing when you come to Christ. You're in, not out. But can I say, if you are out of Christ, that means you're not in Christ, that means you haven't, you haven't received the invitation that Jesus has extended to you. It would be a tragedy for you to give an invitation to a party of someone who absolutely loves you and whom you're fond of and just to leave it in the mailbox and never open it up and never go to the party. And I guarantee you that that party would happen with or without you being there. And Jesus has extended you an invitation through an open tomb to look in and to experience it for yourself, that though you may be wounded and though you may worry, there is a day of winning out there. There is hope for you and a revitalization to your spiritual life and to the things that you thought were dead can come back to new again because God specializes in taking the old and transforming it into something new. And that's the story of Easter. And if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, you can welcome him in and be transformed. And here's the question. Have you ever welcomed him in? Here's the bigger question. Have you ever experienced God's power in your life? 
Because I know how many people look upon the scriptures like 2 Corinthians 5. They say, you know what? I, I just can't move past my past. You know, I was there at one time. You look at all your mistakes, you look at all your regrets, you look at all your failures, and you say, I can't move past my past. It, it, now, it defines who I am. Like, you've ever been given a label or a nickname that you didn't like or, or, or had something placed on you that you go, man, that, I don't like that about me, but that seems to be true of me. It defines me. I got two boys that are in elementary school, man, and elementary school kids can be brutal, right? And they're sitting around the lunchroom one day, and they're telling stories, and one guy's story got out of hand. It turned into a gigantic lie. And here's what, he told, here's what he told the whole lunchroom. He said, hey, my dad plays professional basketball. And in the offseason, my dad plays professional baseball. And in the offseason of baseball, he plays professional football. Okay, they sniffed that out right away, okay? Just like you sniffed it out, like, that's impossible. And then they asked, well, why do you live in Washington? He goes, no, no, we have a big home in Florida. We only live here so my mom can work at the hospital. <laughs> they sniffed that out immediately. They came home and said, Dad, you got to hear this one, right? And they told me the big whopping lie. And then about a couple weeks later, that same boy's name came up. And me being clueless, Dad said, who are you talking about? And you know what they said? You know, Dad, the kid who lied. That one lie put a label on that young boy. And sadly, labels have been placed on us. All of our life, they've been placed on us. And they've find us, uh, mostly for, for worse and not for better. And what I need you to know about the spiritual realm is this, that Satan, he knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. And God, he knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. And friends, that's the, the distinct difference here, is that God welcomes you in, and he desires to be your father and for you to be his kid. But you know what? As much as we know that sin doesn't need to define us, we allow it to. And maybe it wasn't your sin that has defined you. Maybe it was someone else's sin. Like you grew up in an abusive home or you grew up in an environment that has just put labels on you. And these were labels that maybe were even untrue. But now you have allowed them to, to lead your life and you can't break free of them. They've just stuck to you. Labels like loser or you're an embarrassment to this family or ugly, or garbage, or idiot, or stupid, sleazy, trash, failure, worthless, junkie. It goes on and on and on. And you can't seem to shake free from that kind of stuff. It defines you. But man, I'll tell you what, it's probably more likely a label that we've placed on ourselves. I mean, who in this room doesn't have regret? Who in this room doesn't have some kind of guilt that weighs on them, where you just can't move past your past because you can't even forgive yourself, and you're wondering, how is God ever going to forgive me? You know, the number one regret amongst American teens and adults is it's sexual regret. They gave themselves over to somebody who made some kind of lawfully commitment to them to seduce them to go to bed with them, and then that person never lived up to their commitment. It was a one-night stand. You know, I can't tell you how many people I've counseled who've come to me and said, I made a mistake. I don't even know their name, or I don't even know their names when I was in college. And now they wrestle with the the regret of that, and are they worthy of loving a spouse, and are they worthy of God's love for themselves? Hey, for some of you, you know we, that we live in a, a region of addiction, and maybe for some of you, it's, it's an addiction that you struggle with, and you've been labeled with this now. It's drugs, or it's alcohol, it's pornography, or it's gambling, and every time that you start to break free, you have that little whisper in your ear that says, you can't do this. You can't break free from this. You're an addict. It's just who you are. 
and you've been labeled, and it's defined you for too long. Or maybe it's that lie, like that little boy at that lunch table, and your lies have been stretched and stretched, and now at the workplace, no one can really believe you, and behind your back, they just call you a liar. You've been labeled, or it's the bitterness that you've had towards a boss or towards an ex-spouse or to a rebellious child or to a, to a company, and, and what's happened is that bitterness has now begun to be filled and fueled by hatred and, and anger, and now you can't say anything nice about anybody. It just leaps out of your mouth the, the things that are negative and, and very upsetting words to people whom you love, and, and you can't seem to correct it because now that's defined you. And your life gets defined by these things, and here's what happens, because I, I know this from personal experience. You wonder, am I too far gone? Am I unworthy of God's love? You wonder, will God ever accept, accept me? And I know some of you, you you're, you're in the place where I was. You sit there and you say, well, that's not me. That's, I got life figured out. Well, guess what boat you and I are in? The label of Pride. And can I tell you that's the worst boat to be in? Because it's the prideful person that says, I am right when we are very wrong. I am close to God when we are very far away. It's the prideful person that thinks they're close to God, but ultimately they're probably the furthest from it. You know, this last Friday is called Good Friday. It was good for Christians because that's the day that sin was atoned and Christ died for me and for you and for all the sins of the world. But it was a very horrible Friday for Jesus Christ. You know, we can think of that Friday as a day of wounding. Just associate it with that for a moment. The scriptures tell us about the wounding that Jesus took. He was betrayed by a friend. He went through a kangaroo court and falsely tried and convicted. And then he was physically tortured by some Roman soldiers. And after that torturing, he was led through the streets of Jerusalem, where he was jeered, insulted, and spit upon, and led to outside of the city gates of Jerusalem to a place called Golgotha, called the place of the skull. And you might have not have known this, but that was the city dump. And there they crucified Jesus and put nails into his wrists and into his feet. And they hung him up for everyone in the city fair to see. Millions of people noticed Jesus' nakedness and embarrassment as they walked by. And there he hung. And that day was a day of wounding. And may I remind you that as he died on that cross, it took six hours. It wasn't instantaneous. And people continued to insult him, to mock his divinity, to cry out cruel words against him. They called him stupid. They called him loser. They called him fool. They called him a failure. They mocked his divinity and his strength, and they cursed him out. And friends, every single word wounded him, just like words and labels have wounded you. And while Jesus was being killed and ridiculed on that cross, he was taking on my sins and your sins and all the sins of all time. Here's what the scripture says about it. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Did you catch that? I'm wrong and Jesus is right. But Jesus says, I'll become the wrong so that you can become the right. I'll take on your labels. I'll take on the things that you thought defined you. And I'll resurrect you. And I'll give you new life. And I'll do something completely new in you. Something that you never dreamed of. But you know what the problem is? We can't get past the wound. We can't get past the Friday. Because Fridays are fresh in our mind. Here's what Friday kind of feelings are. Before the door slams, she says to you, I'm done. I want a divorce. Friends, that's a wound of Friday. That's the day your boss comes to you and says, you need to clear out your stuff 
we're downsizing and you're the first to be laid off. That's a wound from Friday. It's that late night phone call with tragic news. It's that knock on the door from the officers with nothing good to say about your child whereabouts. It's the day the doctor sat you down and calmly spoke the words to you, cancer, and you didn't hear anything else he said beyond that word. That's the wound of Friday. This is the day you failed the test and your dreams were crushed. This is the day when you were cut from the team and you didn't think there would ever be teams again. This is the day where you were overlooked for the job. This is the day of wounding. This is Friday. Listen, this is the day when my mom calls me up late at night. And she says, it's your dad, and we're rushing him to the hospital, and she hangs up. And then minutes later, she calls back and says, Matt, your dad is dead. This is the wounds of Friday. And I know in my heart of hearts, I knew in my head, I mean, I have enough sense to know that the storms aren't going to last forever. There's going to be someday sun again, right? You've heard it before, haven't you, on your Fridays? Oh, come on, get your chin up. The sun's going to shine again, but that's not how Fridays feel, is it? They're dark days. You wonder if it's always going to be this way. Will you ever see the light again? Back to Jesus on that cross. Nine o'clock in the morning, he's crucified. From nine until noon, it tells us that the sun shone brightly. But then the Bible describes it like this right at noontime. The sun was blotted out and darkness fell over the whole earth and there was darkness. What a representation of Friday wounds. Darkness. Now, scholars try to explain that away. They try to explain the miracle when they say, you know, it could have been a giant sandstorm that covered the sun. <laughs> no. They said it could have been an eclipse. No, still light. Here's how the Bible describes it. It says darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And I love how the scriptures put it, for the sun stopped shining. Friends, that's almost like creation grieving because the creator is dying. Darkness, the wound and friends, may I remind you, in that darkness, our Savior hung for three more hours, and he had statements from the cross, and one of the final statements he had was a sad, sad statement, the sad reality of our Friday in our darkness. He had said these words, and maybe you can repeat them with me, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know what Jesus was saying that day in that darkness with those wounds, with those labels, with my sin and your sin on him? He was saying, where are you, God? I feel abandoned here. That's what Fridays do. God, are you here? You, you feel what I'm feeling right now? Are you even near? And if you've ever experienced earth-shattering pain, you've experienced a Friday. If you've ever experienced dream-shattering letdown, you've experienced a Friday. Friends, it's, it's different for all of us. Like, our pain is different for all of us, our problems are different for all of us, but may I just, just go back to Jesus one more time. I, I think it's totally impossible to understand what he was experiencing on that wounded day of Friday because all the sins of all time were being transferred onto him on that day. You want to talk about a wounding. All of my labels were transferred to him. All of my sin transferred to him and yours too. You know what that tells me? That David's adultery was on Jesus that day. That Jezebel's immorality was on Jesus that day. That Jacob's lies and deceit were on Jesus that day. Jesus was guilty for Hitler's Holocaust that day. Jesus was guilty for Montley Cruz mayhem that day. 
Jesus was guilty of Jeffrey Dahmer's murders that day and Elvis's drug use and overdose that day. Jesus was guilty of Osama bin Laden's terrorism that day and Bernie Madoff's greed that day. Why? Because Jesus was guilty of my sin that day and your sin that day and took my labels on that day and yours also. And the scriptures just define it like this about what happened when he felt abandoned and darkened and wounded because of my sin and yours. It says that God, the Lord, God, has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity, big word for sin, the sin of all of us. It's Friday. Christ is wounded, and you've been wounded too. His disciples have fled. They were in fear that they were going to die also, that they were going to be next in line to be executed, and they're scared of what is next. And what was next? Saturday. Oh man, if Friday is the day of wounding, Saturday is the day of worry. For the disciples, Saturday was a day of suffering. Saturday was a day of scattering. And tragically, Saturday was a day of suicide. Saturday is those days that represents those moments where you don't feel close to God. You know what I've discovered? Uh, when I'm not close to God, I worry the most. Saturday's a day of worry. Here's what Saturdays look like. They look like the times when you sit and wait in the waiting room while your loved one goes through a surgery. And you stare at that clock, and that hour hand goes way past what the doctor said it would take. And now you're wondering how bad it is back there, and if your loved one is still alive. That's the worry of Saturday. That Saturday is... You've been a couple as long as you can remember, and now you're a widow, and you sit at the table that's only been fixed for one, and you have thoughts of what's next. Will the money hold out? What's the future hold? Will I ever find love again? And you think the worst. Why? Because it's Saturday, and you've been wounded, and the worry sets, and here's the thoughts of Saturday. Will I ever be happy? Will I always be alone? Will I ever be healthy again? And you know what that leads to? The greatest pit of despair. I guess I will always feel this way. Some years ago, Chapman University in Orange, California did a survey. They, uh, they're trying to figure out what the, the greatest fears were of Americans. And they, they discovered 10 years ago the greatest fear that we had was the fear of death. Makes sense. But they, they were like startled to find out that 10 years later, those fears had completely changed around and we're no longer afraid of death, we're, we're now afraid of life. And so they managed to figure out the things we were most afraid of and it was crazy things like government corruption and terrorist attacks and not having enough money for the future and public speaking and finding a successful job. And you know where death came? 10 years later, you know where death came? Death came so low on the ranks that it was next to worried in fear of clowns and worry in fear of zombies. <laughs> Friends, we are more afraid of an oil spill than dying. We're just afraid to live. And, and some of you, you're like, well, that's true. I've seen my medicine cabinet. I'm afraid, I'm, I'm afraid of just living these days. And for some people, it's, it's a perpetual Saturday. You're, just, you're afraid to be alive. Hey, can I be like grandma just for a second? When was the last time worry changed anything? When was the last time that it's actually, you know what worry does? It plays to our fears, doesn't it? 
Like, when we're in the fog of worry, we think that next step is going to be our last step. We think that next step is going to be a soft step. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a step where we slide into something, and it's terrible. We never think the best when we're worrying. We never think the best when there is uncertainties in us. Listen, the worst lies are the lies that we tell ourselves. I heard about a dad that had passed by his son's room and had to come back and take a look again because the room was was fixed up and it was nice. The bed was made, the clothes were picked up, everything was in order, and he noticed a letter on the nightstand by the bedside. And so he decided to read it because it was addressed to him, and here's what it said. Dear Dad, I'm sorry to have to write this letter to you. I have run away with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and Mom. I've been finding real passion with my girlfriend, Barbara. She is so nice with her piercing tattoo shaved head and her tight leather motorcycle clothes. Dad, the passion is great, and I love her so much more now that she's pregnant. I'm just hoping it's my baby. I know she's older than me, but she said we'd be really happy together living in her trailer out in the woods. She has enough propane and firewood to make it through the winter. Dad, she wants to have more kids too, hopefully with me. I mean, that's my dream anyway. Don't worry, Dad, I'm 15 years old now, and I gotta take care of myself. Uh, someday, I'll make sure we come back home to visit you and Mom so you can babysit the grandkids, your son Sam. Uh, P.S., Dad, none of this is true. I'm over at the neighbor's house. I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than my report card that is laying out on the kitchen counter for you to read. <laughs> I love you. Call me when it's safe to come home, Sam. Listen, man, when we're in that valley of Saturday, that darkness, we think the worst, don't we? Like it's never going to work out for us. And all those labels that have been placed upon us, we think they define us in those Saturdays. We don't think we can get past the guilt. We don't think we can find forgiveness. We don't think we'll ever be loved or worthy to be in the good graces of God. Can I tell you something theological about Saturdays? They stink. Because Satan does his best work on Saturday. He uses that worry to match our greatest fear. That none of this is going to work out. That there isn't hope. That that wound's always going to be there. That that worry's always going to be existing. That there's never going to be a Sunday that's going to come your way. There's never going to be a hope of, of transformation. There's never going to be a hope of resurrection. Oh, you don't believe me. Three of Jesus' closest friends were fooled by Saturday. Judas, who betrayed Jesus for just a little bit of money. His wound was so deep Friday that the worry and the darkness and the silence on Saturday overwhelmed him and he committed suicide. Why? Because he was wounded and he worried and he didn't think there could ever be a Sunday for himself. How about Thomas? Oh, you guys know him as Thomas the Doubter, but he was never known about being that guy. He was always the one that was beside Jesus and watched every miracle of Jesus. If anybody could be raised from the dead, it would be Jesus, Thomas would say, but he was wounded on Friday and he he was worrying on Saturday. He didn't think there was a possibility of a Sunday. And Jesus' closest friend, a guy by the name of Peter, he was wounded on Friday. He denied even knowing Jesus as a friend. He worried and locked himself behind closed doors on Saturday. And Sunday, he didn't even think it was possible. Do you remember what the angels had to tell those faithful women? He has risen. Go and tell Peter. Why? 
because Peter didn't think it was possible to go through a Friday of wounding, a Saturday of worry, and experience a Sunday of winning. And if Friday is wounding and Saturday is worry, friends, Sunday has to be a day of winning. That's what the resurrection of Jesus Christ means. And friends, some of you are a sunrise away from having your life completely turned around. Do not give up hope. It might be Friday for you or Saturday, but there is a Sunday and Sunday is coming. And God wants you to experience the resurrection of Christ in your life and that spirit that rose him from the dead to be in your life so that you can have the dead things come back to life so that there can be newness in you. That's what we were promised, wasn't it, in Romans 8? That the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. And today, more than ever, God wants you to experience Sunday. And he wants you to reach into that tomb and take hold of who Christ is and to be in Christ, not out of Christ. He wants you to experience a day of winning, not just being wounded. He wants to heal the wounds. He wants to take charge of your future so the worry is dispelled. He wants you to experience resurrection. You need to expect Sunday coming. But I know this room, and I know myself, we make up excuses why we shouldn't believe in Sunday. Oh, some of you are here today and you say, I'm just not spiritual. Never have been. Never had a spiritual bone in my body. God says, you know what? I can resurrect that. That's what Sundays are all about. Some of you say, well, you know what? I've done some things, God, that are just terrible. I can't even forgive myself and the people in my world can't even forgive me. God says, I can resurrect that. That's what Sundays are all about. You say, well, there's some things in my life. I'm just depressed. I've always had a mood of depression upon me. There's been some times where I've had some happiness, but never genuine joy. God says, I can resurrect that. That's what Sundays are all about. There's some dead things in my life, God, that just I can't seem to have restored back. Some dreams that I've just given up. God says, that's what Sundays are all about. I can resurrect that. You know what God says to you today? Because some of you crawled in here today. Some of you have limped in here spiritually today. You know what God says to you today? Do not give up. Sunday is coming. You might be wounded. You might be worrying. You might be weary. Sunday is coming. Trust your future to all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God. Friend, there is no situation so helpless that God can't intervene and win. You can experience a Sunday for yourself by taking hold of Jesus Christ. So why not trust Jesus with your unknown future and trust it to an all-knowing God? Why not allow God to heal your wounds and to bind you up and and to remedy your soul. Why not give your worries over to God who can see deep into your future? God invites us to experience this Sunday, to believe in Jesus, to have faith in him, to be baptized in him. And some of us just forget in this room God's deep love for us. Like we just basically forget the elementary truths that God is madly in love with you, that you are part of his unique creation, that you're a part of the image of God. You know, the the animals can't say that, the The trees can't say that. The insects can't say that, but you can say that. Friends, God is crazy about you. We say it like this from time to time around here, that if God had a wallet, your picture would be in it. If God had a refrigerator in heaven, your picture would be on that too. He is madly in love with you. And sometimes we just fail to forget that he desires to be father, and he wants us to be his kids. You see, God is inviting you to experience a Sunday. A day where you can find freedom. A day where you can experience hope and healing. And Jesus didn't offer just resurrection. Jesus said he is the resurrection. Listen to what he says about himself. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then I love how Jesus concludes this. Do you believe this? And he sends the invitation out. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there is a Sunday that can come from a Friday of wounding and a Saturday of worry, that there could be a Sunday of winning for you. And I know all of us in this room, we came here for different reasons, but you're not here by accident. Here's what God is telling you today. There is a Sunday awaiting you, but you have to step out and experience it for yourself. You have to be in Christ to experience that power. There is hope. And I know how we look at the cross too often. We see the cross as a decoration rather than a declaration. We see it as some kind of ornament of jewelry rather than kind of display of love for us. When we need to recognize that that is a declaration of God setting us free, the moment where he took on our labels and took on our sins. And after that cross, he was placed in a borrowed tomb. You know why that tomb was borrowed? Because he only needed it for three days. And after he rose from the dead, the angels announced he is risen and that stone was rolled away. You know why the stone was rolled away? Not so Jesus could get out but so that Peter and the disciples could look in to recognize that there is a Sunday, that there is power over death, that there is power over sin. That stone was rolled away for you and I to look in to recognize that we can become new creations with this old, worn-out, dead life because here's the truth about us. God can transform us. I mean, God formed you after all, and sin has disformed you after all, but Jesus Christ can transform you after all. And you don't have to fear the past. You don't have to cover up the mistakes. Guys, I'm not talking about religion today. I'm talking about a relationship. A relationship with God through Jesus Christ to be in him. And some of you just need to step out today and have a belief statement and have a faith movement and be baptized into Christ and accept him and be in Jesus today. And other of you, you just, you just need to know where God stands because you haven't been here for a while. You haven't had any kind of real idea about faith in a long time. And now you're thinking about it. And you're wondering, will God welcome me back? You know what we call you? Prodigal. God calls you a prodigal. And he says, you're my kid. Of course I'm going to welcome you back. With open arms, I'm going to welcome you back. As a matter of fact, the scriptures put it like this, and I love it. With deep love, God will welcome you back. Don't you love that? You know where he stands. Where do you stand? Do you welcome him into your life? Have you experienced the power of Christ's resurrection? Because all of us here in this room, we're on different walks in our spiritual journey. But here's the big question, and it always remains. Are you assured that you're going to be with Christ in heaven? Are you assured of that? 